Greetings and welcome to another episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. My name is Abram Bagunu and I'm your host. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about my last two weeks, some things that I've been doing, and really I'm going to focus today on my 40-day Bible reading plan. I'm going to give you some insight into how I've been doing and what's been going on as I've been reading the Bible for the past two weeks. So thanks for listening to this episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. So many of you who are listening are following me on social media, and if you don't follow me on social media, I recommend that you go do it on all of the social media. It's at Abram Bagunu. Really check that because I'll be posting updates about the podcast and then pretty much everything related to what goes on on here or what we're planning on doing. So if you don't follow me already, go follow me on social media. That way you can keep up with all of the things that are going on in the podcast. But for those of you who do follow me on social media, you'll know that I've been doing my 40-day Bible reading plan for the past 15 days. And it's crazy to think that it's already been two weeks since I've started my Bible reading plan because it's a 40-day plan, and so two weeks, you're a little over a a fourth of the way there. So if you think about it, 30 days is about a month, and two weeks is about half of that. So you're like almost halfway done with the entire plan. And I've finished um, well over a thousand pages of reading. I'm personally using my ESV Reader's Edition, which is six different volumes. So I think it's broken up. Let me look over on my desk. It is the the Pentateuch, so the Torah, the first five books. It's the historical books, the poetry books, the prophets, and then they break up the New Testament into two volumes, the Gospels and Acts and then the epistles and revelation. So I'm using like a reader's Bible, which is, um, it's a really cool way to read the Bible. It doesn't have any verses or chapter divisions. Um, and that's actually really helpful as I'm reading through it. I really don't stop, um, and look when the chapter changes or when there's a verse breakup since those, I don't know if all of you know this, but the verses and chapters weren't added in really until I think it was 1200 for the chapters and then 500 for the verses. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but it's somewhere in that range that when the Bibles were starting to be printed with the printing press and all of the things with the Protestant Reformation, that's really when Bibles became as they are today as books with chapter and verse division. So I personally use my reader's Bible, but this journey Let's jump right into it now. This journey for the past 15 days of actually sitting down almost, I I think there's been one day where I didn't do at least half of my reading in the morning when I first get up. The past few days, I've finished it entirely in the first few hours of my day. The past two weeks, I've really been trying to get up earlier than I have in my like early life. I usually sleep in a little bit, but the past two weeks I focused on getting up early. So it was actually before two days ago, it was 630 is when I was getting up. But the past three days I've been getting up at 530. That's been my routine for the past three days. And I'm actually working on keeping that my daily routine from now on is getting up at 530 to get stuff done in the morning. If you've watched some of my videos kind of introducing the podcast, you've heard me talk about some of the things that I'm trying to do personally to help myself be more um, productive, be more conscious of where I'm putting my time and energy. 
And so it's really been amazing spending the first hour to hour and a half of my day reading the Bible. And to this morning, I just finished up Job, Esther, and Ruth. So I finished those three books this morning before 8 o'clock. I think it was, yeah, I think I finished right around 8.15. So I read three books of the Bible. And for those of you who don't know, Job is actually like 40 chapters. We only, we know the story of Job because it's a relatively short story, but the story part is only about like three or four chapters of a 42 chapter book. The rest of it is dialogue between Job and his friends. And then God comes in a little bit at the end too. But it was a it was a good haul. Most of it was poetry in Job, so it wasn't like the full page, but it was still about a hundred pages long of reading. So, but that's been so beneficial for me as I've started my day like that. It's it's something different when you start your day in the Word of God and meditating on things of the Spirit and of the Kingdom. There's something that changes in your life when it happens, and for me, it's been a great two weeks. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's challenging, obviously, because I'm devoting an hour to an hour and a half of my morning reading the scriptures every morning. So that's obviously a challenge in itself, but it's been incredibly rewarding for me to do it these last 15 days. So I want to encourage you. I know I started this two weeks ago, but if you haven't read through the Bible in its entirety in a relatively short amount of time, and by relatively, I mean under a half year. So if you've read, the, if you haven't read the Bible from cover to cover in a span of six months, to where you can digest it at a decent pace and still remember and recall a good significant amount of what you've read because it's so recent, I suggest you do this. It doesn't have to be forty days, but I suggest you do it because for me, I had not done it before. I'll be honest with you. I've read a lot of the Bible since I obviously am a Bible student and I've obviously grown up in the church as a pastor's kid. I've read a lot of the Bible, but I've never read through it in that short of amount of time. And for me, I'm still just about to start the poetry books and I haven't even gotten to the prophets, but I've read half of the Old Testament almost and I've noticed huge themes, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. I've noticed huge themes in the Old Testament because... I've read it so quickly, not just to get through it, but I want to read it in a fast manner so that way I get the entire picture of the scriptures. Because I think that's something we miss as a culture today. We get these sound bites, you know, especially with the social media age that we're in now. We always get sound bites, right? Even the news, it's just 10 second clips, right? whatever speech someone gives, whatever highlight reel the sports player has put out, you don't see the whole picture. So that's why I encourage you to read the scriptures at a fast pace, because when you do it, you're not going to remember everything. And that's not the goal. And obviously, when you read something once, you're never going to remember it. But what you will catch, and what a lot of us miss, is the thematical emphasis of different areas of scripture. And so if you haven't done it, take my plan, message me. Again, Abram Bagunu, you look me up. There's no one else with my last name except for my dad or my uncles. And the ones on social media, I guarantee you'll find which one is me. Because there's not really that many of us with the last name Bagunu. Look me up, message me for it, and I will send you 
my 40-day Bible reading plan. It's not exactly in chronological order. It's not necessarily in can, uh, canonical order, so how you would have it in your actual Bible. But I switch around a few things, which I think is it makes it helpful to read it in the way that I do. I have specific reasons on it, um, and if you want to let or want to message me, and I'll let you know those specific reasons. But read it, even if you don't use my plan. Read it in a short amount of time. Maybe you take my forty-day reading plan and make it eighty days. You double it. I have it in calendar format for the day I started. But really, even if you just have it as a picture. On your phone now, I'm sure you can just cross off every day that you go. So when you progress, you cross off the day. It's You can change it. It's just a format. But maybe, let's say, instead of doing half of Genesis, which is the first day of my plan, you do the first 10, 15 chapters. Do a quarter of Genesis. So adapt it to your own needs. But I encourage you to read it at a pace that you can do and also a pace that you can recall what you're reading, at least the thematical emphasis or the themes that you find in the scriptures. So I encourage you to do it because it has huge benefits. And I'm going to jump into some of the things that I have personally gained from doing this. So this we're going to transition, transition into this segment. So now let's move on to what I've discovered the past 15 days as I've read through the beginning of the Old Testament. I'm going to start by saying my three-word summary of what I've learned reading Genesis through Job or Ruth. And I actually, I haven't read Ezra and Nehemiah yet, so I went a little bit out of order. But I've up to, up to Job with the exception of Ezra and Nehemiah, which I'm reading the next day. So this is my three-word summary of the beginning of the Old Testament. Yahweh, which most of your English translations will translate it, the Lord in all capitals. Yahweh hates idols. That is the theme of, that's what I've noticed as I've read through the first half of the Old Testament in the last 15 days. That's the theme that I see in the Bible. God hates idols. And if you read the first half of the Old Testament, you'll see that that theme dominates the narrative. God hates it when his people turn their back on him and worship other things. That was the theme that I picked up on. Obviously, a lot of people, I even had someone tell me this recently, that wouldn't the theme be God loves people? I guess that, yes, that is the theme of the Bible as a whole. But if, through the theme that I've seen, the first half of the Old Testament, the dominant thing that I see is God's hatred for idols. In every scenario that we see that there's a case of idolatry where the people turn their back on God, God does something in retaliation to show the people that that is not the thing that they should be doing. And He shows them. Because he's given them the covenant. He's given them the command to follow me. And we as humans rebel against God's plan and his will. We put things before him. And all of the troubles of Israel come because they are idolatrous and they put other things before God or they don't obey his command. And that is the theme of the Bible 
from what I've read up to Job, all the way through the historical books. I've completed the historical books. All the accounts of the kings of Israel, the judges of Israel, the monarchs, God emphasizes his sovereign rule over the people of Israel. So how does that translate over to my life? In Bible school, we call this hermeneutics. Understanding what the text of scripture meant and now we're applying it to our lives. So what does this mean, this principle mean in my life today? And I think it's a principle that's easily brought over to our modern context as American believers, or as Western believers, as most of you who are listening are West, in the Western world. God today still hates idols, and he still demands that you as a citizen of heaven, as a member of his kingdom, place him as the highest authority in your life, and you obey his will, you obey his command, and you obey his word. That's the theme that I found. If you, I encourage you, go read it, and if you don't see the theme, come and tell me, because I think it's everywhere. Once I got to the historical books, it was just this. After David, you hear about Solomon, and at the end of Solomon's life, he continue, or he digresses from the way of the Lord, and he follows the gods of his foreign wives. And then you see this downward spiral of the repetition of what happened in the Judges. Because really, it first happened, I'm going out of logical order, I apologize, so I'll start over. So let's look at it from the beginning. In Exodus, we see the people of Israel leave the land of Egypt. What's the first thing they do? They go and wander for a bit. They are leaving Egypt. They leave. let Moses go up to the mountain to talk with God. And already, after 40 days, they've already made an idol. Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days talking to God, receiving the covenant, which we have now in the Torah, and we prescribe to Moses being the writer of those. And so 40 days later, they're already breaking their covenant, which Moses was up on the mountain giving. Fast forward, right? Now they're wa they've wandered in the wilderness. Joshua leads them into the land of Israel, or the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. What happens next? In the time of the judges, after they've conquered the land and they settle in it, the time of the judges, they turn away from God. God gives them up to their enemies. They repent and call on the Lord. He brings a judge up. And he saves them from destruction or oppression. But why does he let them ha or why does he allow them to become oppressed or to become captives in the first place? It's because they abandon him and they worship false gods. They worship things other than him. He has brought them out of Israel. He's done these miracles for them. He's like allowed them to survive for 40 years in the wilderness. He's led them into their promised land to give them this new home. And yet they still fall away from him. Move on to when the kings are ruling. So they ask for a king. So David, after Saul's rule, comes and he builds the biggest kingdom that they'd seen. And then Solomon, his son, afterwards has this time of peace. And they become rich, and they become powerful, and they build the house of God, they build the temple, and they have all of these things, and they've seen the prosperity that God gave them because of the faithfulness of David, and the commitment that Solomon has in the beginning of his life. But after that, 
we see that Solomon digresses and he follows the ways of his foreign wives and he starts to allow for the worship of his wife's foreign gods. And then the cycle really begins to step up. We see king after king described as, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he built altars, and he worshipped the Baals and the Asherim and the foreign gods, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's what we see all throughout, especially the northern kingdom, in the southern kingdom as well, lots of the kings in the southern kingdom as well. But the northern kingdom, that's the majority of all the kings that we read about in Kings and Chronicles. So the entirety of four books of the Bible, almost the entirety is devoted to showing how the kings acted, and a good chunk of it is devoted to showing how the kings rebelled against God, and how he reacted to that, and what he did to bring the people back to a place of repentance. And ultimately, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten to the, I've just got to the Babylonian exile, actually, at the end of Chronicles. But eventually, they're going to be exiled for 70 years in Babylon, and that's what it takes to get their attention. It takes them to lose literally everything, not just be captives, but to be killed, drug away to a different land, and their homeland, their promised land, completely ravaged and destroyed. So that's ultimately what I found. That was the theme in the Old Testament. I'm the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. And I will have a covenant with you that your sons will be as numerous as the stars. So he makes this covenant with them. And they continually break the covenant. And I, I look at myself and I'm like, man, it, would I be that, I hate to say it, but I, would I be that dumb to see the history that my people have and be like, every time we mess up, the Lord punishes us because of our unfaithfulness. And he does it so we'll come back to him. And he allows us to need him because when we had everything, we didn't need him. And we just did whatever we wanted and we worshipped whoever we wanted. But we only could call on the name of Yahweh when things looked bad because nobody else answered. Because he's the only one who had the power to do anything for us, who had the power to save us. And I was thinking back like, man, in my... Would I have done the exact same thing? And I'm like, there's no way. I would not have worshipped the balls, but would I be that arrogant to not worship God when I've seen nation after nation fall because of his glory when we listen to him, and I see my people, my generation or my father's generation and my grandfather's generation fall before them? because we did not respect the covenant that we had with Yahweh. And I just was like, no, there's no way. I wouldn't do it. I would obviously have learned the lesson. Yet when I think about it, our gods look drastically different, yet they have the exact same effect in our lives. And that's what we call the application of this hermeneutical principle, this Old Testament principle that we're seeing. Because God still, in the New Testament, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is essentially saying, love me and nothing else. Like, if you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there's not really much place for anything else. You can't love anything else. You can't love any other gods if you're loving me entirely. So it's in both testaments, but we're going to take this Old Testament principle, and if you look at it, we have the same problem, except our gods aren't made out of 
stone and we haven't crafted them into images. They are just made to look like other things, like our computers and our cell phones and our flags and our music and our idols. And by idols, I mean the people that we look up to. Those are the things that we're now idolizing. And those are the things that are separating us from God. And a lot of those things can actually not be inherently bad. Your computer and your cell phone and people in your life are not inherently bad. Well, I hope the people in your life aren't inherently bad. And if they are kind of bad people, I hope you're witnessing. So I won't keep this much longer, but I want to encourage you that I've found the theme of the first half of the Old Testament is God hates idols. If God hates idols, then God still hates idols now. And whatever the idol in your life may be, I don't know what the idol in your life is. I know that I have some idols. A lot of it has to do with my time management. In the past few weeks, I've been trying to focus more on how I manage my time and how I'm being productive and what I'm doing with the time that I have. So my encouragement to you is, especially for this episode, because the past 15 days, I've been reading the Old Testament, and I've noticed that one of the biggest themes is Yahweh, our God, hates idols. So, I want to encourage you, whatever you may look into your life and say as you reflect on your own personal life, whatever my idol is, God hates that in my life. Maybe it's not inherently bad. He doesn't necessarily hate it, but he hates the fact that it is more important in your life than he is. And there may be things that happen in your life. There may be broken relationships. There may be times where you lose something in your life. And it may or may not be God trying to bring you back to a place where he's number one. Because while the idols may be different, the effects that it has on our lives is still the same. We still are valuing other things, and we still are putting our trust, our time, and our priorities into other things. And so, that's ultimately my brief encouragement and my analysis of what I've read so far. So, again, just to recap, um, if you haven't, I encourage you, pick up your Bible tomorrow, or today even. I saw this quote recently, I don't know who it's by, but it said, The best time to start something new was yesterday, but the second best time is today. So if you want to, start it today. Pick up your Bible, start reading. Again, message me for the 40-day Bible reading plan, or look up your own, or make your own, however you want to do it. But I encourage you, start reading the Bible. Start investing into yourself spiritually. I think it's some of the best investment that you could possibly ever make. So do that. I think it's going to be really beneficial for you. And I know for me, the past few days, especially of finishing my reading in the morning, has been incredibly rewarding. It's allowed me to get a lot of other stuff done throughout the day because it's just put me in a good mood and has spiritually been more aware. So um, I encourage you to do that. So that's been my encouragement. That's my recollection. And that is my thought on what I've been reading. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the past two weeks. So um, hopefully that whatever um, you got from today was somewhat of an encouragement. And hopefully you can use what I've learned and apply it to your life. And hopefully you can use what you read from the Bible and apply it to your life because that's really the main goal. So if you remember nothing else from today's episode, just remember, start reading the Bible in this simple three-letter summary of the first half of the Old Testament. Yahweh hates idols. Hey, 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We just recently started getting more reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts, so thanks so much for the people who've already subscribed and already giving us a review and a rating. If you haven't yet, I encourage you to do so because it'll help other people find our podcast and it just helps other people when they see our podcast for the first time think highly of it and give us a try more often. So helps us a lot. Hope you do that. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. Have a great day. Peace.